This is Savanting the Idiot. I'm Sensational Sense. And I'm Death Metal Douglas. I used to come back on leave, and my sister brought me to see the Holy Terrors yeah. in like 1990, I think. It might have been right around the time he played. Um, but they the opened, first, but yeah, they opened for Danzig later on, I guess. But you know, Danzig, whatever. mother, <laughs> little guy with I, muscles. Yeah, it's funny. I saw him getting his ass kicked behind stage. There was a oh a, yeah, everybody's seen that. That's yeah, pretty funny. It is funny. <laughs> well, the guy's the guy he's mouthing off to is pretty big. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, but of course he's, he thinks he's this little pit bull. But it, it, that's pretty damn funny video. But yeah, oh, he's, the first he's a time, prima donna, anyways. But yeah, yeah. first time I saw Load was at at a place called the rock box the rock box was this shitty little warehouse district and the owner of it was like me he worked in the trades but except he was a carpenter so he would do his eight hours whatever he'd come back to his little uh warehouse and he was building up an actual rock club in this space so that's why it was called the rock uh, rock box and he was actually he didn't have a liquor license but he was selling liquor and and all the kids from school that was the cool place to go in cutler ridge was the fucking rock box i actually since i was I so think i've heard of the rock box yeah it was in cutler ridge and like i said i forget the name of i might have even gone the there the owner once or twice, you probably did because a lot of people did and it, and it was big enough that load would go down there there was some big bands that would actually go there the the, the lead the the owner of that club he he became our singer for, and I forget what was the name of the band, but I actually ended up living at the fucking rock box. I remember you were telling me about and, that. And yeah. I had to. This is when you first like were going outside of your house. Exactly. Because yeah. my parents were so fucking, you know, uh, uh, so strict that I, I felt like I was They were into music, but they were strict about yeah, everything but else. Yeah, old fashioned music. It wasn't nothing that I wanted to, all, all the modern rock. It probably turned you off like the, the music fucking a little devil bit. music. Yeah. You know, they thought that I was going to go to hell for listening to it. It's so, strange because they're probably younger than my parents. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, they're about the same age, probably. I guess. I, I think my mom's sixty-seven or sixty-eight. Yeah, and younger. my dad already passed away. But, but, but your dad was was a little bit older than her. Not much older. Not though, much. Right? They were about five years apart. Okay, so, so he's, he's probably younger than my old man. My old man is seventy-six, I think now. Yeah, so, but but I ran away. I I I went. We were said we were going to do a gig at. at at the rock box and then i called my 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 dad up i've said look i'm not coming back home i i got a place to stay and and that's it and my dad was like you know i could go over there and get you right i said no you can't i'm i'm 18 and goes well if i want to i could go over there and get you i said well you could come try but i ain't going <laughs> i remember you yeah. saying that you could come, you could come yeah. try <laughs> you could come try and we'll see how this goes but the funny thing is you know at, it was cool at first but it was still miserable because like the guy actually had facilities he had a fridge and he had like a mini shower places to live but he hadn't personally lived there in a while exactly so everything was rank there was mold everywhere and i actually had to fucking clean the place up just so that i could You're live like there me, you have to have it clean I, yeah yeah so, so i'm cleaning right now there, as we there, speak. there was no way i was gonna live in that fucking filth like that so now i'm fucking trying to clean the place up so i could live in it and my plan was to get a job while i was living at the rock box but i couldn't man i tried my best i right across the street there was musicians discount center and that guy is where we i got my first gretch black hawk drum set from 
that wow. dude at Musicians Discount Center. How, how big, I haven't was had it a four piece or five piece. It was a, it was a five piece, typical oh, yeah. well, five piece. Like I still got a picture of it. Yeah. But that I tried to get that guy to hire me. He didn't want to. Even with that, you know, sell up story. I'm like, hey man, we bought a drum set from you when I was 14. I've been playing the drums ever since. I'm right across the street. But I couldn't get a fucking job to save my life. And and this guy wasn't paying me. And I was almost starving. It got to the point where I was barely eating hot dogs at night, and I couldn't take Ramen it anymore. noodles, all kinds exactly. of Exactly. And I said, I, I still can't, eat I, some of that crap, too. I, was, I can't <laughs> Gee, take Gee, I wonder why I have one of these, right? <laughs> and I left. I've, I've, case in point, I had to fold. I, I had folded my hand. I was like, I tried my best. To, and, I, and I said, we, would my parents take me back? Of course they did. But that, at least I had that experience. At least I fucking tried. You but, went out, yeah. Yeah. I just went straight into the Army. I didn't yeah. really have to go back home. But um, now when you were talking about the drums and stuff, you uh, you had that Gretsch kit, so it was the same setup with the the five piece, right? Yeah, I guess kind of similar. Yeah, with, and I always had a double pedal. At first, it's funny because when I was, and now it makes I feel old as fuck. But when I first started out, I don't think they they had, had double pedals. They weren't that popular, so I actually had a, a, another. I got this old fucking bass drum for somewhere, and I added it to my set, and that's when I first started playing double bass. Double bass. That's better, I think. Yeah. With two real drums. Though. Yeah, but the thing about of course they're gonna look at you like you're metal. Yeah, you know, and automatically. you got and you got to have them tuned pretty good too, because you don't want one sounding too dissimilar from the other, you know. Yeah. And it just gets to be a pain. Once they invented double pedal, I was sold. I was like, fuck another bass drum. When when I was in high school. I bagged groceries with the drummer, and get and he wound up becoming popular. Remember yeah. the band Helmet? Yeah, of course. He was the drummer of Helmet. Yeah. Actually, the, all the new yeah. metal guys play their tight snares because John did that shit. Yeah. He had the same setup that you have, just yeah. a five-piece kit. He played Rush on that. He played Van Halen yeah. on it. And this is before double bass pedals. Yeah. So he's only using one bass pedal playing and, all this metal stuff. Yeah. And, and, and he was, but, a, he and was some an incredible guys had drummer a in high quick, school. Quick fucking foot, you know, where they could do a lot of stuff with just the one foot. And there's techniques to where you could get a lot out of it, too. Uh, but, of course, it, it's these guys are into blast beats nowadays where it's just... Yeah, I can't, angel, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't do yeah. that with a fucking one foot. But I, no you, way. There's no yeah, way. Yeah, it's yeah. it's insane. But yeah, that's cool. The, the helmet, of course, helmet, Fugazi, bands like that. I, I the poppy from, snare sound. Yeah. I like it okay, but I, I like a, a bigger snare like but, that one. But I like the, like that piccolo tight snare sound because it's good for something. In high school, I was the snare pair. You know, I played snare, so I'm used to that tight kind of poppy snare sound i don't like my snare sounding too too bassy or deep you know i want my bass drum to, to, well, to take up a lot of that well that's where metal changed yeah. in the 90s it was like uh you know the bands had the giant snare sound the big the hair bands uh -huh. had that snare sound but once uh you know slayers started getting big they had the smaller snare yeah like um, piccolo snares and yeah stuff and like eventually john St john he, he, you know, with that, that helmet, you know, he had the tight, he didn't use piccolo snares. He just really tightened his snare. Really yeah. Hard. Real tight. But he, and he hit the rim all the time yeah. too. And that's the way I play. I hit, you know, every time, every shot that I do is simultaneously like a rim shot. But he never yeah. changed his setup. It was always a five piece. He never had like four or five rack toms. It was yeah. always the same too. He never deviated yeah. from that. I saw him play in high school doing covers. He was doing Rush. He was doing the police. He did Van Halen on that same drum kit. But always the same formula. And a year later in 86, he went punk. 
Yeah. I told him about punk. He didn't know about punk. Uh-huh. He was a year older than me, but he had other guys in his high school that were into it. That he, yeah. I can't really credit myself for getting Helmet's drummer into punk. Yeah. <laughs> I I just told him about it. You know, he knew yeah. little about it, but he had the friends that pushed yeah. him into it. And um, he came out in '86 with the punk band. They got in a fight with the jocks in the audience because they had a lead singer that was doing this. Yeah. And he was like, you know, he was all punked out and stuff. And when the curtains closed, he pops out of the curtains. He's like, fuck you. And yeah. the next thing you know, there's like these jocks run up on stage and there's a big melee. So we're all jumping in there yeah. trying to pull it apart and stuff. I, I don't yeah, know if that scary. got... There was somebody videotaped that shit, but yeah. I don't know if they, it's around anymore. But yeah, it was so funny to see him go punk. Uh, I mean, it's weird because he had a girl playing bass. He had a guy with a cowboy hat, but he had long hair. And then he had, you know, he had his little flat top, kind of like a helmet. Yeah. He always looked the same with the same drum kit. He never changed his look or his drums, ever. It was okay. weird. And, so, but um, to bring it back to uh, gigging in the scene, so as far as... Uh, uh, what the did, rock were box you, where you played at? Yeah, yeah but I was going to say, as far as with you, like Radar was Radar Riley one of the first band, or did, did you do other original bands around the South Florida scene? Oh, we, um, I did a couple. Um, I did um, when I first came back in '99. I did the noise thing at Churchill's. Yeah, I had a friend. They've been that, doing that forever, huh? Yeah. Well, that guy. Um, they had a scene there where, like, they were doing noise during the week. Yeah. And there was a guy that lived. He's dead now. Um, a guy named Jared. He lived pretty close to me. He'd give me rides up there, and we we would drink on the way up. And yeah. By the time we got there, we we're pretty toasted. Trashed. Yeah. And um, I and I would I had a a car that I would if if I couldn't get a ride with him, I would just take my own car and drink and throw the mouth. <laughs> we, yeah. We've all been through that, right? Yeah. But anyways, it was like um, you know, it was a noise improv scene. But then I wound up. There was another guy that actually could play. A guy named he wound up in Blowfly's band. Remember we were talking about Blowfly a while back, okay. and uh, the guy named Chris Chavez, and we started an industrial band called Motel Six Six Six. I was playing those red electronic drums I was telling All you right. about. I was doing a little bit of bass guitar. It's so funny because Chris is one of the few people that'll tell you. He goes, I don't think Doug is that good of a bass player, but I think he's a much better guitar player. And he's a better guitar player than me. Yeah. He's like a little bit better than Righteous Rich. You uh-huh. know, he could do lead stuff that I still can't do yet. Yeah. But he thought I was he he still to this day thinks I'm this incredible guitar player. Yeah. But I guess because he saw me doing a couple like yeah. like weird things that he hadn't learned yet or yeah, something. Yeah, some stuff licks, he, hammer on, stuff pull that offs. technically technically he would know how to do. He just had to practice it or whatever. Yeah. I guess because I I, will, I always thought he was a better guitar player than I I, I was. But uh, yeah, we had and then we had another guy that was running samples and stuff. We you know and we called ourselves Motel Six Six Six. We played a couple times at Churchill's in front of like five people. We were incredible. And then a couple times we got in front of a huge crowd and it was just like. The I had we had like the sequences coming out of a boombox yeah. stuff of my boombox. Okay. And they weren't working, so we had to improv and it yeah. was terrible. We couldn't figure out what to do. And you know, it just sucks. You're doing this thing so well in front of nobody, and then you get in front of a huge crowd and it falls apart. That's why I'm kind of like a little against the idea of using sequencers and machines on stage. So, Unless you got that shit fine-tuned, it's better just to have guitar, bass, and drums. Yeah. Yeah, I get what you mean. So, what were the what were the biggest local acts 
around that time. For that time, yeah. um, there was a band. And what time frame are we talking about? You said what? Ninety nine, like yeah. twenty one years was, ago. What was the biggest uh, local acts um, in South Florida? Uh, would you say? I'm thinking right around that time. I can tell you what bands that I knew about and hung out with. Chris had a band that he was in with, um, and th- this guy recently passed away. He used to play in the Misfits back in the late 70s. Oh, I jo- remember the Misfits. Joey Image. Yeah. Joey Image was in the Mary Tyler Horrors. They were a pretty big punk band in, in the mid-2000s. But like they had a band called Human Buffet, uh-huh. and it was... Todd sang. I ran sound for him, and he was pissed because I couldn't get his vocals up to his the level he wanted because the PA's right. would feedback. I became a sound man by oh. accident because no one, no one was there to run sound for them, and I became their sound guy that okay. night or a couple by nights, default. Actually. Yeah, I was just like because it was Todd singing and Chris Chavez. Uh, he was playing guitar. And you know, um, a guy named another guy named Doug, I think, was playing bass, and Joey, Im- Joey Image playing gu- drums. They had problems with their bass player, and I actually worked with the bass player. We did, uh, we worked for IRC doing, we did the Beach Boys, the backline for uh, um, Fabulous Thunderbirds. The guy was cool. I felt weird trying to like audition in his place or whatever, but I wanted to jam with Joey Miss Joey Image because he was yeah. in the Misfits, but he didn't show up for that rehearsal so todd's trying to play drums and sing at the same yeah. time and i still see him easy. on facebook and stuff he's still good looking with his hair and stuff he's <laughs> maintained his image up until this age that we're at now but uh yeah they were called human buffet so he aged decently and the yeah. they the second guitar player was the guy i was telling you about that was in the band remnants um that when we did the bodog thing okay. we were doing the 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 the, uh, the interview backstage he was yeah. he came out and, and dissed the whole fest or whatever <laughs> <laughs> your, your wife saw him do that we missed oh. that but no um he yeah. was a pretty cool guy though when he was in atlanta like i told you he yeah. got me into the stooges funhouse which is my favorite album it's okay. a it, in a month, that album's going to turn 50, so that's like a big mm-hmm. event for me or whatever. But And also, he convinced me to break up with a crappy girlfriend or whatever. But no, he wound up in Human Buffet later on as a second guitar player, mm-hmm. and they sounded incredible. They had a pretty good following, but I, I thought the bass player was okay. I didn't want to replace him, you know, Man. but it was like... Um, the band wound up breaking up anyways, and and we're doing Motel 666 while that band was still around. But then they that band broke up, and then we were doing Motel 666. It was just me, Chris, and and Sean who did the the keyboards and the samples and stuff. So what and were the be- the biggest? Um, I'm what, trying to think of other bands that I, were big. Not just bands. I'm saying like places. Like did you ever it was play all the Churchills? Button, I don't button remember. Button South. The, I didn't. I don't remember going anywhere anywhere else besides Wait, Churchills. Is the Button at South. That that's the Revolution now, right? Is that the same? Oh no no no! Um, or the Edge? It used to Man, be that called, place. No, the Chili Pepper turned into the Revolution. I saw Fugazi with two Chili drummers. Pepper. That's right. When I first came back in '99, I, I went and saw Fugazi. What for was like Button four South? Time. Button South wasn't. I saw the Circle Jerks in the '80s um, at Summers on the Beach. That was a big mm. place in the '80s. Yeah. All the way up into the late '80s and stuff. Because when was I was the in the Army, house I, I, around I, came, then? Huh? I don't know. Poor House. Poorhouse was around then when I came back, but they weren't doing live music as much oh. at that point, I guess. Maybe they were. But um, my brother and my sister hang, hung out there a lot. But when I started hanging out at the Poorhouse, they weren't hanging out there anymore. Yeah. It was weird. You know? But um, you know, the Poorhouse does live music, but it's just kind of like uh, you know, whenever they do it, I guess. I don't know. But, um, you know, but um, I guess going back to the early band... Um, you said that you were playing, you were practicing at, at, at 
um, rock box. Oh, we had a yeah. place in Atlanta called the Black Box that we played okay. at. So I got that a little mixed up with your rock box. Yeah. A lot of boxing going on. Rock, yeah. rock, rock box and Cutler Ridge. That was, <laughs> like I said, that was an event. Eventually, the cops... The cops raided him, of course, because you got a bunch of underage kids. It's, it's and, not and you don't last have a, forever. You don't have a fucking liquor license, and once it gets too big, you know, uh, or there, there's too many people talking about shit, they got they got raided and shut down, and that was it. I'd hate to be in his shoes, you know, when he finally got fucking busted. Because I'm wondering, I'm wondering if I went. It didn't last until like the late '90s or early 2000s, did it? I'm not sure because it was actually, you know. I went to a couple warehouses in 99 and 2000. And I moved from, when I was 18, we moved over to Miami Lakes. I actually ended up going to <laughs> it Carroll City, more than Carol City High School yeah. when my Carol parents City. moved. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I played there, I played in the marching band for a little bit. I, I didn't go there for a whole lot, lot longer, but... Yeah, that's around the time I was 18 and we I moved out of there. So I don't know what happened because we, we, we went from, you know, for, that's... Very far away from. I'm Cutler thinking Ridge. your first gig was probably right around the time of my first gig. My first gig was in '91. Yeah, it was in so. December of '91. '92 was right around the corner. Yeah, the band started in the middle of this band was crazy. My first gig with them was in front of hundred, a couple hundred people. Yeah, because we had a tape that we were. This is Huntsville, Alabama. And this is right after I got out of the army. I was in the army up until August of '91. But the thing was, we had a good drummer, and for a month we were writing all these incredible tunes. But he was his wife was in the military, and he was getting. I was still in the military at the time, but his wife was still in, and he was getting out. He was already out, but he his wife got orders to move to move somewhere. So we had to go into the studio to record with him before he moved. We'd only been playing for a month, but we wrote all these incredible songs, like four or five songs. How'd that studio uh, end it was, up going? It was that a great experience. studio. Yeah. It was a sixteen-track studio. No, but how was you your experience? Because that's probably the first time you went in to actually record in a studio. It was right? an incredible experience. Yeah. It, it went so it went great. well for you guys. Oh I mean, yeah, when we went in, yeah, we but we yeah. never bought the reel-to-reel tapes and stuff, so we had to come come back in and do another session. Yeah. That's that one I was telling you about where the guitars went through the PA and it sounded like shit. When we first went to the studio, we I, we didn't know what to expect because we had never done it and we're kids or whatever. But that, I, I I wasn't happy with that at all. We were a band called we were calling ourselves yeah Dust to Dust, but we were so inexperienced that what we were trying to do we had like maybe fifteen songs and we wanted to record them all, so we were rushing through them and not oh, really. Oh, that's terrible when you you're have that better many songs. off just trying to record one song great. You know, taking the time it takes to get just one song down. To the to the way it's supposed to sound, than just settling it, and that was our our first studio experience was fucking horrible, man. Well, ours was good because we had never played live. It was like we had only been together for like five weeks. The drummer was getting ready to move, so we had we picked we had like maybe six songs. We picked four of them. We actually had the fifth one was an instrumental we didn't use, but um, we went in there and banged that shit out like we. We did like maybe one or two takes per song, and maybe the singer would like redo the vocals and yeah. stuff. He would do a scratch vocal while we were playing live, yeah. and then he'd come back and overdub a, a different vocal. Yeah. But he would keep the old scratch vocal, so you had these two parts going at yeah, once. Yeah, layer it. But he had no idea he was going to do that. He did that by accident. Yeah. He, he, tried- he discovered he liked the way it sounded in retrospect when and he's listening to himself and he's supposed to do the real take and then you actually play them both you're like hey i like how that how it was that accidental, sounds yeah. he had two different 
parts he was doing that was completely different. Okay. And they were pan- almost, panned a little bit. Yeah. Almost like uh, like doing backup for himself or harmonies or stuff like that. We didn't almost. even know he was a good singer yeah. until we went to the studio with him. He sang through a PA, through a, a guitar amp. It sounded horrible. When I was in the he Army. He sang through a guitar amp? Yeah. Right. When I was in the Army, the, we used to have rehearsal spaces. where you, I used to play drums mostly because you go in there and you sign out for the room for an hour. Yeah. You have that room to yourself. Yeah. And if somebody else wants to come in, yeah. if they sign up for an amplifier and they have a guitar, okay. then you could play with that person. Yeah, you could but just there's three rooms. sign up to jam. Yeah, sign, if sign you want to play it by yourself, you have that option. Most of the time, I go in there and bang on drums for two or three uh, hours just to teach myself how to play drums. Yeah. But and, I, and then a, a couple times, I had guys jamming with me. I, it was They actually entertained the idea of me being a drummer in a yeah. five-piece band. I didn't like it when there was two guitars because I couldn't hear the bass player or the singer too well. Yeah. But the equipment was all really shoddy. Yeah, that, it was really that's, crappy that's, equipment. I was going to say, that's all really because crappy of the equipment. equipment. <laughs> so when we got, we got that band going, it was like he was singing through the guitar amp. I thought it sounded like the band Mud Honey. Remember Grunge? Yeah. Uh, the band Mud Honey was a really big grunge band. Their okay. singer wasn't like a great singer. I thought he yeah. was like singing like that. When we got into the studio, we realized he was a really good singer. Okay. So uh, that kind of from that point on, I was in two different bands with him in like five years. But so long story short, you guys were satisfied with the recording experience. Yeah, that and you had. I went to yeah. the to the record store. I would put the tapes in the record store like a pile of yeah. five or six of them come back three days later they're all gone and i'd be like jay the guy that owned the place of sunburst records i'd be like where, where are the tapes go he goes oh yeah some they 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 sold out like two days ago i'm like i only put them in here two days ago he goes no you came in here like oh, three or you four guys days actually ago. got to the stage where you actually had tapes that you could sell in a local record store i did that shit we I, never we never hell no we never got that far no i pushed it then. i pushed yeah. it that's good and I mean, we never because we of never, my efforts. That band became so huge; yeah. it was scary how big we were. What At that, was, when we recorded, it was still ADAT, or, or not still. They had already transferred to ADAT and and stuff like that. We screwed yeah. up and didn't get our mix down on a DAT yeah. or whatever. Yeah, DAT or ADAT or I mean, two track reel to reel. Yeah, and um, so we had to go in there and record with a different drummer in, in March of '92. The first recording was done in like May or June of of '91. So. In that summer of 91, I go to the record store with a pile of tapes. But you were actually selling your tapes. We made ours as a demo and tried to, you know, get them to... Record labels Yeah, and stuff. exactly. Now, this was demo-sounding stuff because it was sounding like it was yeah. on a major label or a good indie rock label yeah. or whatever. So I'm going to the record store like two and three times a week. I can't dub the tapes fast enough because people are buying them real fast. Yeah. This word-of-mouth thing was And going, you're doing this with a two-track. You're just putting one tape in and recording it. No, another? I had two tape decks, cassette decks. Yeah. One, I had two different tapes I was dubbing with. I had one tape I dubbed. Which were with your for a, masters? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and um, so I kept going back and forth doing that, and I just couldn't meet the demand. I yeah. mean, every if I did, came back two days later, yeah. he would be like, "Oh yeah, they sold out this morning." I'm yeah. like, "Damn!" So so, so people were coming. Yeah, at least in people were actually tapes. buying your your local. Th- yeah, that's pretty and damn we went cool. through three band names yeah. too. We they couldn't to give our, our tapes our away. They, could, they had to go through our band names because. We, we started off as Acid Shake. The, so the first 20 tapes, 25, 30 tapes were Acid Shake. Mm-hmm. Then it was Monkey Shake, which was like maybe 50 tapes or 40 tapes or whatever. And then finally I 
came up with the band Head Cave, the name Head Cave. That's and a decent name. I like it that. is. And you know what? I made it up out of thin air. Mm-hmm. And here's what happened. There's a band in 2019 that's using the name now. It's yeah, a progressive metal band. Yeah. Head cave. I was so pissed when I saw that. But it's catchy, so I could imagine that somebody else would eventually have the same idea. Well, there's some website about they sell stuff at a store, and it's called Head the Cave or something like that. Okay. And they got it from that. All right. The band, what they did, they had a different name, and it was... And they had a, a, a one of their tapes or, or their groups of songs on Spotify or whatever was called Head Cave. So they like they switched to that name as a band name because their other name they I guess they found out other bands were using that. Another one, and there you have it. Our third segment on our initial conversation of Savanting the Idiot. 